the show that goes there. This is the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show all the way from the city of Pugalani. Welcome to another rousing edition of it. Today we've got a lot to cover, including... Well, we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming holiday that seems to be everybody's favorite, but we'll explain why it's still a little weird for some parents. Also, the eventual war that Fox News is going to declare. And of course, we'll talk about Brett Kavanaugh and young male culture in America. And all of that is to come on this show uh, being brought to you by, well, me. Uh, hi, I'm your host, critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left of normal, insane, and always centered in common sense. You can find me at shaggyjenkins.com or wherever fine social media is trolled. Well, just look for at Shaggy Live. Now, our first story of the day actually happens to be kind of a personal story for me. Let me explain. <clears throat> Not too long ago, I had a daughter. Okay, well, it was about 11 years ago, but she growing up has uh, definitely changed the way that I think about things and the way that I talk to her about things. And one of the things that we are talking about lately happens to do with what you would think is an 11-year-old's favorite, favorite holiday besides Christmas, Halloween. But the way that we were talking about it and the means that we were having to discuss it, well, let me bring those up here. Okay, I'm not going to say the name of this popular retail chain, but me and my daughter recently ventured out to a popular retail chain and... Okay, this is that daddy moment where I get to be like, oh God, I'm so proud that she notices things because I've, I've been really trying hard to teach her about the inequities of society, and she caught on to those in very devastating ways. Look, while we were walking through the store, we came upon the Halloween costume section, and yeah, then reality hit my daughter. She stops, looks at this whole rack, and we're talking like this was an entire aisle of costumes. And holding her arms out as far as she could, she said, Look at this, Dad. All of these are boy costumes. And then, putting her hands together, what looked like something that resembled the kids in the hall character that always tried to crush her head, and she goes, In this tiny little section, well, this is the girls' costumes. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, yeah, you're right. We do kind of we do kind of make more costumes for boys than we do for girls. But that's not the only thing that she noticed. It happened so that she noticed that all the girl costumes for people of her age featured skirts and you know, revealing kind of girly girl kind of clothing. Now, keep in mind my little my little blonde-headed cracker loves her some superhero uh, movies, one of her favorites being Black Panther. The reason why? The character of Okoya. Yeah. T'Challa's, like, main general, the, the, the protector of the kingdom of Wakanda, a woman. My daughter just happens to love female superheroes. Well, duh. That's called representation. And... As such, when she was talking about these costumes in this retail store that I'm not going to name here, it was very disturbing to her 
at the age of 11. Now, you know what it's like when you're a parent and your kid says something and you're kind of like proud of them, but then you realize the content of what they're saying and you're really, really sad for them? My daughter just happened upon a basic basic inequity of what it's like to be a woman in this country. When it comes to superheroes and stuff like that, why, there's every flavor of superhero out there for boy. But when it comes to girl, well, the options were really, really, really limited. Now, like I said, my daughter, comic book nerd, so of course she's looking for superhero stuff. And instead of finding things that, you know, resembled the heroes that she knows and likes, like, say, a full-body suit like Black Widow in the MCU would wear, she doesn't see any of that. Instead, she sees these uh, versions of male superheroes feminized in skirts and cute boots and little masks and stuff. And it bothered her because those weren't women superheroes. And I know the movie hasn't come out until March yet, but she was she was already kind of hype about, hey, maybe there's a possibility of a, of a Captain Marvel costume for girls. No such luck, it turns out. And the thing is, is that it bothers me as a father that her, at the age of 11, is, is starting to realize how completely unfair we are during the holiday of Halloween to women. Now, go ahead, and if you think about it, <clears throat> how many times have we seen the moniker of quote-unquote sexy in front of a female Halloween costume? Now, I am not downplaying the fact that there is a lot of women that love to engage in dressing like provocative or promiscuous characters around Halloween. That's what the world of make-believe is all about. However, if every single costume that we offer, especially young girls, is nothing but a feminized or sexualized version of a male thing, what kind of message are we really sending to them? It kind of strips away at a young girl's identity when she doesn't think that anything out there truthfully represents what she wants to be. And when it comes to Halloween, guys, oh God, guys, you're part of the problem. You see, every man out there is all, well, every man out there, I should say. And by the way, I'll be bringing this up a little bit later about every man and every teenage boy, but there is a large majority of men out there when it comes to want of celebration of Halloween, they think about, wow, what kind of outfits are the girls going to be wearing and not in a, hey, I'm kind of interested in their craft type of way. Here's the thing, though, and it's something to consider because I just had to consider it earlier when I was with my daughter at this store. What do we tell 
young girls that their role is in society when we have a whole holiday where it's everybody is supposed to be able to embrace every bit of imagination possible and the options are heavily loaded towards the boys and for the girls, well, they got their choice of being eye candy or a ghost. And that's not something you want to be able to offer your budding young feminists that you apparently are raising very, very well. So it did kind of bother me today when I was thinking about all of this and, and how to properly answer my, my kids' request of what the hell is going on. And before you ask, yes, that was actually her words because even 11-year-olds sometimes just run into something that's like, seriously? Seriously. And at first, I kind of had to just look at things and, and, and kind of explain them in a practical sense. One, uh, superheroes wouldn't wear tool. Tool would snag and catch on everything. And, and the role of a superhero costume is to be as unsnaggy and as uncumbersome as possible. So first and foremost, I did kind of attack the whole fashion thing. I bet you didn't know that I knew fabrics. Ha <laughs> ha. But getting back into what else my explanation went into is I, I told her very simply, honey, we're going to learn a very hard lesson today, and it's called the world isn't fair to girls, especially girls your age, that really want to embrace cool things in pop culture that aren't highly sexualized or aren't just a, a, a feminized version of a male something that is unique that is empowering, that is kind of awesome to pretend to be on Halloween. I mean, come on, think about it. If you're a young boy, or if you remember being a young boy, you knew the thrill of what it was like dressing up as your favorite hero for, for Halloween. You felt empowered. Like, I, I, I think I once wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I, I felt like I had the force a little bit. It's, it's cool, because that's how make-believe and imagination works. You you, around the time of Halloween, get to try on these different characters. Like, you are an actor for a day. But when it comes to girls, the options are highly, highly limited and limiting. Because in a later segment in the show, we'll talk about young boy culture, but as long as we're talking about young female culture in the United States, parents, we need to be more vocal about wanting some sort of fair representation for our daughters. I, I, I know what you're saying. Oh, God, Shaggy. <sighs> You've swallowed the red pill. You're one of those people that believes that women are treated unjustly by society. And yes, yes, I do, because there is empirical evidence to it everywhere you look. Not just some places, a lot of places. So with that being what's called a given, a <clears throat> known fact, I've not swallowed the red pill here so much as I'm, I'm kind of wondering at what point does society address this problem? And you're thinking, Shaggy, isn't this all about Halloween costumes? And yeah, it is. And it kind of is about something more. It's about representation. 
Representation is feeling like you have some sort of avatar out there at a greater level of life than you are. Like when it comes to government, you have a representative in your county government that that's like your superhero. They represent your calls and your, okay, sometimes they do better than others, but you get the point. Representation is, is having something at a higher level that reflects back your values and, well, your ideals and virtues. And when it comes to women in this country, we, especially when it comes to young girls, don't give them a lot of representation of strong, adequate characters. I I sadly came up with this theory today while watching movies with my daughter over the weekend. I, I came up with this theory before the show that it's amazing to me that any woman in a Hollywood blockbuster film who is a supposed expert in a film where the film is clearly about a male lead, how do they survive? Because it seems like you have these highly credentialed female characters that are basically just put up against a guy with a, a bad smirk, a gun, and a rough attitude, and, and all of a sudden, what is explained to you as a very strong and highly educated, empowered woman becomes the damsel in distress model. And time after time after time after time, that's the model that is seen in media. It's, it's disenfranchising to, to young women, and it's disempowering. It's like saying that every time some man shows up, it's okay just to let him kind of handle it, even if he's handling it completely wrong. Time and time again, these little questions are coming up that you really have to start asking the small questions that lead to the big answers. And the question that my daughter brought up over the weekend, and one that I'm going to pitch to you, okay? And you can you can follow up with me on social media at Shaggy Live. You can email me, shaggyjenkins at gmail.com. You, if you're a follower of our Patreon, you can, you can post up there, whatever. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. When it comes to changing society into something that is more fair. Now, I'm not talking about a race. I'm not talking about a gender. I'm just talking about a concept where no matter what of those things you are, society treats you fair. At what point do we ask the question, when will society be fair to women, especially when it comes to Halloween? Because now I have to kind of figure out how I'm going to make a costume for my daughter that she will actually admire and appreciate because it's not some sort of feminized version of a male character or, even at her age, she is recognizing this, something that's meant to be a little eye candy-ish for people. And she's not interested in that. She just wants to go trick-or-treating. Well, it is the season of spooky things, right? And let's transition to another story here, because I do want your answers, by the way. At what point do we make things fair for girls? Okay, shaggyjenkins at gmail.com or at shaggylive. Simple question, at what point 
do we make things fair for girls? Moving on to our next story, though, this one is kind of a spooky, horrific, ooh, kind of tale that sadly could have some precedence in a little bit of truth. Okay, <clears throat> not too long ago, a movie was made about a fictitious war that an administration in the White House wanted to put on with the help of certain media moguls to influence the public vote. Now, if you named that movie and said it was Wag the Dog, hey, congratulations, you know your movies. It was, in fact, that movie, and something akin to it today is kind of occurring in our society, although you might not realize how intricately and intimately the relationship is between the two things that I'm about to announce. Look, there is a very real possibility that the President of the United States has no real concrete idea of what he wants to do and, as a litmus test, takes in a lot of media. Sadly, he takes in that media all from one source. Fox News. And if you don't understand the relationship between Fox News and Donald Trump, well, I'm going to assure you that you need to buckle your seatbelts, strap yourself in, because this is a deeper rabbit hole than you could imagine. Now, you, you've probably seen certain reports of Sean Hannity calls and Fox and Friends saying things and the president tweeting about them and all of that. However, I'm going to paint a kind of vaster picture of the scary thing that seems to be happening here. Donald Trump, when it comes to his love of Fox News, that is something he has been very vocal about from day one. He, he just appreciates them. They're the greatest news network in the land. Now, keep in mind, in other countries, including the UK, Fox News has well, lost its carriers just because they consider the network a fledgling kind of television tabloid geared towards nationalist and populist. In other words, fake news. Believe it or not, outside of the United States, Fox News is really could be spelled F-A-U-X for faux news. But getting back into the point of this whole story... Here in America, Donald Trump regards Fox News and all of its members as highly intelligent and educated people and capable of steering national and international diplomatic efforts. If you need some examples, let's talk about what's about to occur in just a couple of uh, of well, actually, not that long from this very show. It's the vote to approve the next minibus funding for the United States government. And, and, and this is just a small budgetary act, but it is one that is it's vitally important. Okay, If we don't go through the minibus, there is going to be a government shutdown. Now, with... The Senate passing, and I would say narrowly passing, but let's just be honest, I think it was like 93 to 7, passing the new minibus uh, budget, 
It now goes on to the President of the United States, who earlier this month promised Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and, of course, a bunch of other nervous representatives and senators from the GOP Nervous because they knew going in a midterm, any sort of foolishness right now would literally be their party pulling an October surprise on their party. So they wanted everything to kind of be like the dude in the Big Lebowski. Very, very chill, very laid back, very, yeah, man, chill. The problem is our president has no chill. At least he has no chill when he watches Fox News. Now, after the Senate passed the, 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 the funding and was getting ready to send it up to the president to, 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 you know, get it signed ahead of the deadline, one representative who did not agree with the bill took to Fox and Friends in the morning. And what did he say? Oh, my God. Such... Terrible things about this. This bill. It's so horrible. It's so terrible for this country. Not seven minutes later, Donald Trump was on his Twitter account lambasting the latest bill and once again pulling up the specter of a presidential government shutdown. Now, keep in mind, the president has a pet clause funding this whole ridiculous border wall. Remember how well that worked out for the Russians in Berlin, by the way. However, because it doesn't have all the little ticks and things that he wants in it, and because people and commentators, I mean, think about this. Brian Kilmeade could basically be considered an advisor to the president. Steve, these are people on Fox and Friends, by the way, if you have no idea who I'm talking about. Sean Hannity, Caucasian incarnation of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, is advising our president right now. Janet Pirro, who closely resembles Lady Death from the Marvel comics, yes, she too is driving the president's temperament and attitudes on certain acts. Now, let's talk about what Fox News is trying to do as far as, not their presidential, you know, kind of advisory board position that they've somehow managed to take on, but let's talk to the, let's talk about what they're trying to do as just a cable network. Notice I didn't use the word news network because, once again, Even Fox News has been on record of saying that, look, we don't do a lot of straight news. We are a news commentary station. Radical difference, okay? However, when it comes to what Fox News is trying to do, their population of, and if you've seen the commercials, it's all about pillows and socks and things like that. Yes, if you guess that they have a senior audience, then you would be correct. Fox News preys on the fears and paranoia of an aging American public. And as such, they like to build up extraordinary, and I mean elaborate, extraordinary 
kind of conspiracy theories, the attack on Christmas, the no-go zones in Europe. You, these are all legitimate things that Fox News has explored, at least in their world of legitimacy. But they do this to elicit viewers who are getting old and kind of just are a captive audience. And it should not surprise you that Donald Trump, a gentleman over the age of 70, happens to be one of their core demographics. However, in their attempt to sensationalize news and to drum up all of these things, they have a very, I hate to say this, but they have a very non-experienced viewer in Donald J. Trump who takes their stories and runs with them as national and international policy. And that is something that should not be allowed to happen in any country. We are right now physically living in the embodiment of the movie Wag the Dog, where instead of a media guy controlling a nation, He's controlling an administration. And if you don't think that these ties are deep, keep in mind, Donald Trump constantly keeps people like uh, Pirro and Hannity and other Fox News commentators on his allowed call list. And famously, will call up Sean Hannity to talk to him about decisions that he needs to make for the good of America. Sean Hannity is not a qualified advisor. Fox News is not a think tank of well-researched ideas, conservative or otherwise. They just kind of go where the ratings take them, and as such, yeah, you guessed it, Ratings usually take them to sensationalize things. And because they sensationalize them and because Donald Trump sees them time and time again, if you watch the story on Fox News, and this is an interesting experiment. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm telling you to do this. If you're not somebody that has a Twitter account, go ahead and sign up for it. I assure you this experiment will be worth it. But what you need to do is you need to start your day and open up Twitter. Okay, just open up your Twitter and follow Donald Trump's timeline and then turn your television to Fox News. Chances are, in any common day, one story during Fox and Friends will end up almost immediately on the president's timeline. And it's time to ask ourselves, how long before this contentious relationship between the president and Fox News gets us into serious trouble all because they were trying to Get a rise out of people. Well, speaking of getting a rise, we're going to talk about teenage boys, Brent Kavanaugh, and the culture of men in America. Up next, it's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. You are listening to 60 Second Civics, the daily podcast of the Center for Civic Education. I'm Mark Gage. Classical republicanism and natural rights philosophy had a profound influence on the way the American founders thought about government. 
However, the founders were also strongly influenced by the Judeo-Christian religious tradition. The Greco-Roman tradition emphasized civic virtue, or the dedication of citizens to the common good of their nation, even at the cost of their individual interests. The Judeo-Christian tradition, in contrast, emphasized private morality, meaning faith and obedience to God's law. Christian teachings also emphasized the dignity and worth of each person, which informed the founders' support for individual rights and personal liberty. That's all for today's podcast. The show's theme song is Complacent by Cheryl B. Englehart. You can find Cheryl online at cbemusic.com. 60 Second Civics, where civic education only takes a minute. Dig deeper. Remove the hype. Find the facts. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome back to it from the lovely Valley Isle of Maui on the 50th state of Hawaii. Aloha and welcome back. Hey, if you'd like to follow the show, please do so at ShaggyJenkins.com or support us. Become a member on Patreon. Just look for... Well, the Shaggy Jenkins Show, hey, you can also find me on social media, wherever social media you're on. Just look for uh, Shaggy Live. Okay, let's get back into some of our big stories, because if you've been following anything to do with the nomination of Brent Kavanaugh over the weekend, oh my God, you know that it took another big turn. Now it seems that not only is Christine Blasey Ford going to testify, well, supposedly, and you'll find out why in just a second, not only is she going to testify Thursday in front of the Senate about allegations that Brett Kavanaugh <clears throat> waved his naked penis in, his, uh, in her face, put his hands up under her clothes, and when she tried to scream, made a motion to put his hand over her mouth to stop her from calling from help, not only... Did those allegations come out? But it turns out that during his time at Yale, he had also done similar acts to one Deborah Ramirez. Not only did he wag the dog in front of her face, as it was to say, but also kind of trying to overpower her and, well, <clears throat> you know where the story goes from there, right? Well, look, he was a freshman at Yale University, she was a freshman at university, and now, because of Ford's testimony, well, Ramirez has decided to come out, and this has forced a tailspin on what was supposed to be an easy nomination for Brett Kavanaugh. But keep in mind, this is not something that he hasn't alluded to in the past. See, even back in 2011, saying in front of a uh, <clears throat> group of students, what happens at uh, college stays at college. I'm paraphrasing there because I don't want to besmirch the college he was mentioning. But when you use a slogan that was also used to advertise a place called Sin City, Las Vegas, implying that any activities that you engage in there no longer no matter how nefarious or evil or wrong or or just weird well it's safe because it only happened there now Kavanaugh also went on to say that yeah it's a good thing that things stay there 
especially for guys like him. And that was years ago that those words came out of now Supreme Court nominee Judge Brent Kavanaugh. But with Ramirez's allegations of also further sexual assault and with the impending testimony of Christine Blasey Ford to come, things aren't looking so rosy for the Republicans as it used to be. However, don't think for a moment that they're not still fully on this plan of getting Kavanaugh elected. Mitch McConnell has said time and time again, including a press conference last week where he says, you know, we won't stop until this nomination happens. Now, remember, Mitch McConnell also said that it wasn't anybody in Congress's duty to sit and interview Supreme Court nominees during election year. Do you remember Mitch McConnell saying that? Because he totally did. And that's how he used to kind of obstruct from sitting down with Obama's Supreme Court nominees. But now he's basically assuring people time and time again, even at press conferences, which are Weirdly on tape, and nobody has took to the street with torches. Oh, wait a minute. They did take to the streets with torches in this country. And those were the wrong people with torches. But it's amazing to me that more people aren't in a clamor, a flutter about, well, Republicans' steadfast determination to put Kavanaugh in the Supreme Court ahead of the midterm elections. And they're doing this now with not just one, but two women that have come forward with claims of sexual assault from a guy that could decide, well, laws that could have to do with female reproductive rights, laws that could have to do with what consent is. I mean, this is not something to take lightly, but Republicans more in love with their agenda and the whole we're winners and we're going to continue to win, are continuing to push a very badly, badly tainted nominee through this whole process. Now, I could right now bring up the parallels between Clarence Thomas, Anita Hill, and what's happening now with Kavanaugh and, and, and Ford. I could do that, but instead, I want to bring up the things that are dissimilar about this. Because even in a Republican-controlled environment way back in the tender age of, well, in the tender year of 1991, then-President George H.W. Bush when he found out about allegations of sexual misconduct that Clarence Thomas had taken, had taken, did indeed issue an order for a four-day FBI investigation. Now, Republicans have said time and time again, why do we need an investigation? These are just allegations. And this is where it gets really scary, because at the first part of the show, I was talking about my daughter, and I, I can't watch news stories like this around her because 
I don't know how to tell her that some people are just inherently crazy and most of them are Americans. For example, when it comes to the defense of Brett Kavanaugh, when it comes to the defense of a guy that has been basically accused of acting like a back alley thug that that we see superheroes save women from, when it comes to him, women keep bringing up time and time again, when, when, when Republicans try to trot out their base in support of Kavanaugh, time and time again, these women come forward and they say very dangerous and damaging things. One of them is they say, what teenage boy hasn't acted like a complete sexual predator? That is a legitimate question put up by female Supporters of Kavanaugh on the Fox News Network, what young man hasn't done this? They're all hormones and they can't control themselves and girls just have to get used to it that that guys are a little um, um, sexual assaulty around that age. Okay, speaking as a former teenage boy myself, no! It's a very dangerous thing when we label all teenage boys as sexual predators. However, it is also a very, very dangerous thing when we don't label legitimate sexual predators that just happen to be teenagers as sexual predators. It somehow is this weird glitch in American society, whereas your gender can also be your assignment of guilt when it comes to sexual crimes. And if you are male, there is a lot more in the forgiving column than there ever will be for a female. So when it came to these supporters that I was watching in this news story, and they're just saying, what young man hasn't done these things? What young man hasn't got a little rapey around that age? Tons, okay? Tons. And you're probably thinking, oh, God, Shaggy, here you're going, flying in the face of science. Young boys are indeed more aggressive and that nurture over nature. If you don't raise your boys to be little pigs, if you don't raise them to be D-bags, guess what? They won't. And if you raise them with an a clear understanding of body autonomy and consent, guess what they won't do? So assigning guilt to the male gender for being a sexual predator merely because of their gender and their age is damaging to young boys. Because now, when young boys hear that, they're going to think, it's okay. They expect me to do these things. You have set up an an expectation for boys to behave like sexual predators. And when they start doing that, you have nobody but yourself to blame. But nobody wants to hear that. Instead, we want to assign the young male mystique, to being able to allow us to forgive sexual assault. Now, when it comes to sexual assault, we haven't forgiven people like Roman Polanski, have we? 
and not too long ago, it even came up that Marlon Brando committed a little sexual assault on set at the direction of a director. And nobody really seemed to care about how long ago that happened when they went full tilt into saying that is despicable and horrible behavior and these people should be held accountable. But that's the twist. When it comes to Republicans' treatment of their Supreme Court nominee, well, no. He was young. He was dumb. He was just a boy, and boys will be boys. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bring this up here as a boy. What the actual hell does that mean? Boys will be boys. What does that sentence mean to you? Because to me, somebody that listens to the English language, when you say something in the defense of somebody like a Kavanaugh, who once again forced himself on a woman, put his hands up under her clothes and groped her, and when she attempted to call for help, covered her mouth. Another woman, he exposed himself and wagged his genitalia at her face. And that's supposed to be excusable because of his age? And also because of his standing in society and in government. We are supposed to forgive him when there is precedence time and time and time again, Bill Cosby's one of them, that we hold people accountable for doing terrible sexual assault type things no matter how long the passage of time. Think about the scandal that the Catholic Church is undergoing now with all of the, the sexual assault and the thousands upon thousands of cases they found. You can't just go back and excuse that behavior, or more dangerously, and this is where that phrase is truly dangerous to me, you can't condition your young boys to expect that that type of behavior from them will be excused. Because that's exactly what you're doing. You're excusing young boys from responsibility of knowing what consent is. And then, on top of it, you're basically excusing their behavior further down the road with what the GOP is doing around Kavanaugh. Keep in mind that Trey Gowdy on, on, on Face the Nation, right? He, he's the Republican that is usually on there uh, talking about and, and famously defending the FBI time and time again. But uh, on Face the Nation this weekend, he, he kind of gave a misleading statement. He said, quote, I'm a big fan of the FBI, but they don't investigate sex assault cases. They are very, very few federal sex assault cases. That is a misleading statement because you just contradicted yourself in the same sentence. Let me give you an example. You gave a off-on statement. Off. The Federal Bureau of Investigation does not look into sexual assault crimes. Period. 
That's an off statement. That means that that absolutely, in scientific terms, should not exist in any sort of form. But then the next statement was, in fact, they do investigate sexual assault cases. But to his personal recollection, there are very few of them. Very few of something, not quantified by any data, is not an off statement, meaning the absence of something. It is an on statement, meaning that in fact, that thing that you just denied existing does indeed exist. So we're basically telling boys time and time again, That if you come up in America, it's okay to be a sexual predator at one stage in your life because, God forbid, if it comes to sully your reputation in the future, well, we'll make sure that we forgive that to the excesses of youth and youth alone. Imagine what kind of society we would have if that was to be instilled in the moral fabric of America. Whereas instead, we should be telling boys things like consent, what it is, why it's important to get it, what it actually means to get consent, oh, and what sliding consent is, which means that as you elevate or exacerbate certain situations, you might once again need to engage in consent communication with the other party. We should very sensibly be teaching our boys, in essence, don't rape. But instead, society again and again and again, including this Whole, I think it was a Wheatland that did it. It was, it was one of the representatives in, in Congress. He basically went on this whole thing about trying to prove that Brett Kavanaugh wasn't guilty by using a floor plan and and uh, uh, pictures of a private citizen. He basically accused a private citizen of sexual assault to take blame away from a Supreme Court nominee. That is unprecedented, and once again. Think about it. If you're a private citizen and you you have a sitting member of Congress just all of a sudden saying you're a sexual predator, your Monday at work is going to be very interesting. Now, keep in mind that all of these claims, barring an actual investigation, are nothing more than a toilet full of feces swirling around, not really draining away, just kind of floating there, stagnating and stinking up the whole works. But the arguments behind some of the behavior that we're trying to excuse in male culture, well, those are the issues that we should really be discussing. Now, Donald Trump, who is no stranger to attacking victims, including women that have alleged he sexually assaulted them, was famously kind of mum for a a while there on Ford. And the reason why was kind of uh, a little weird. It turns out that the Donald really enjoyed the positive press that he was getting for not saying anything. But when his guy was kind of questioned, 
What did he do? He took to victim shaming. Remember how I said in this culture we don't teach boys don't rape? We teach girls don't get raped. This is a prime example of that. When it comes to victims of sexual assault, time and time and time again, the system works against them. On this show in the past, I have brought up stories about how police officers have tried to talk women out of filing domestic violence charges merely because, eh, he's a guy, he was drinking, eh, we don't want to do the paperwork, it's, it's just a lover's spat, it's none of the police business, just get over it. And we wonder why victims don't come forward. We wonder Unlike how Fox News wonders if it's some sort of vast conspiracy where all the time there's these method actors of sexual assault victims just waiting in the wings to besmirch the reputation of these good, hardcore, Judeo-Christian conservative warriors. Okay, to maintain a conspiracy like that, Fox News, once again, it would take an elaborate network of people, highly communicative, and once again, not one single person in the hundreds and hundreds of people that would it would take to orchestrate this conspiracy, none of them could say a word about it. And if you know human nature, conspiracies quickly fall apart, especially if you have the last name of Trump. But that's besides the point. The point that I'm trying to make today is that, look, when we are analyzing this story of a Supreme Court nominee, the big story, yes, is the fact that this guy has some very, very undusty skeletons in his closet that actually need to be addressed in a more lengthy fashion than a Republican-controlled Congress will allow. And they have a vested interest in pushing this guy forward. But in the course of pushing him forward, they're also pushing forward a danger, dangerous narrative in this country that if you're a victim of sexual assault, if the guy is powerful enough, then, you know, tough. And is that the message that we want to send to women in this country? Because if you look, Back at Americans' history of dealing with women that have come forward after being victims of either sexual predatory behavior, a la Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton, or you, you look at outright adulterous behavior, say Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump. When you look at those behavior time and time again, who is the one that we paint as the villain Guess what? A majority of the time, it's not the woman. And when it comes to defending the character of a man, it is okay to say things like, she was asking for it. Look at the way she was. At that time, she knew what she was getting into. We excuse bad behavior on behalf of men because we assign some sort of automatic guilt to women. And now we're doing it at an institutionalized level. And if you know anything about America, once something becomes institutionalized, it is damned hard to get out. 
And I could go on and paint a very bleak picture about how workplace protections have been rolled back across the board and how if you are a woman and you do come forward, now there is a climate of a lot of men who don't even know you jumping to the defense of your attacker just because you're a woman and they see you as an inferior part of the human race. And that's got to hurt somewhere, somewhere in your soul. And if you're a guy and you're hearing all this stuff and you're like, oh, Shaggy, pshaw, you're just being facetious. No, I'm not. And for every guy that has stood by and has victim shamed and has said, well, look at her, she's dressed like a Oh, so and so, and I'm not going to say the terrible derogatory things that men use to describe women on this show because it has no place in society that is trying to create fairness. And when we look at the case of Brett Kavanaugh, we see that this is a case of no fairness happening from Washington, D.C. Instead, an agenda took hold, get this guy in control of the judiciary at the highest level and damn the consequences of the actual makeup of his character. We will forgive the fact that he was a sexual predator merely because of his age, sending the message to every boy in America that if they want to be a sexual predator, do it in your teen years, because later in life, we will go to the ends of the earth to defend you. Don't worry about being called a scumbag or something like that. No, no, it's okay, because we will say things like, Boys will be boys, and that's just what's happening. And girls should expect that type of behavior out of a boy. And I don't want to sound cliche, but if you have a daughter, boys will be boys is never a good enough explanation. Boys will be boys is a weak, flaccid BS excuse for a fault of character, for a diminishing of something good about human empathy and compassion, a rottening of the human spirit. No, we don't call it the vile, detestable thing that it is because that could damage the poor, fragile male ego. Well, in the words of Maisie Hirona, Guys, deal with it. You have to accept that society is inherently right now gearing a younger male generation into being despicable people. And you have to accept that you have a role and a responsibility to make sure that we do not allow these values that are being seen right now at the federal level to permeate down to our culture because the second that we lose a young male generation to the ideology of sexual predatory behavior is okay consent is something you don't have to worry about up until a certain age 
then the message that we are sending is clear. America is pro-rape, pro-sex assault, and we're blatant in our defense of men alleged to have done that. And I'm sorry, but if that is not something that bothers you at the end of the day, there is something that you probably need to look at deep within yourself and realize that if we set up a society where one gender is allowed to be predatory over another gender, merely for virtue of their genitalia, then all hope is lost. Until the next show, love you, mean it, get in by.